Welcome to Absence Management Perspectives, a DMEC podcast. The Disability Management Employer Coalition, or DMEC as we're known by most people, provides focused education, knowledge, and networking opportunities for absence and disability management professionals. DMEC has become a leading voice in the industry and represents more than 16,000 professionals from organizations of all sizes across the United States and Canada. This podcast series will focus on industry perspectives and provide the opportunity to delve more deeply into issues that affect DMEC members and the community as a whole. We're thrilled to have you with us and hope you will visit us at dmec.org to get a full picture of what we have to offer, from webinars and publications to conferences, certifications, and much more. Let's get started and meet the people behind the processes. Hello, and welcome to Absence Management Perspectives, a DMEC podcast. I'm Heather Grimshaw, Communications Manager for DMEC. I'm here today with Kristen Jones, DMEC's Director of Education, to talk about how the need for and scope of education has changed in recent years and what she expects to see in the future. I'll provide a little bit of background for anyone who isn't familiar with Kristen. As Director of Education, she is responsible for strategic development, management, and delivery of educational programming for the organization. And those offerings include a robust webinar program and certification course, a growing list of micro-credential training courses, conference sessions, industry surveys, and white papers. Prior to joining the association, Kristen worked as a human resources professional in the for-profit sector, including business-to-business services, convenience retail, and manufacturing organizations. So she has a keen appreciation for the work absence management professionals do and the support they need. I'm hoping, Kristen, that we can set the stage a little bit and talk about the demand for educational offerings and what that tells you about the needs in the industry. Sure. Thank you. We know there's always been a need for it because that's the whole reason we were founded 30 years ago. So we're definitely seeing that continue as well as increase in more recent years. And we've always been unique in our education at DMEC, just being focused in the absence management industry like we are. There is a lot of um, education in the HR space, but you know our focus is really in that absence management and disability management space. So I think it's a unique educational offering that's designed to support a unique subset of HR teams. And we've always had a really strong blend of digital education and in-person offerings. Obviously, in recent years, um, the digital piece has been more in demand as people have gone away from in-person for a while. But we're seeing that shift back where people are starting to come back together. You know, we've come back in person this year and, and kept virtual offerings to complement those in-person offerings as well, because we know not everyone is ready for that yet. But we do one-hour webinars. We do roughly 35-ish a year. Learners can attend those live, engage directly through the Q&A, but they can also view the recording afterwards if they don't have, if that time or if that day doesn't work for them. So there's a lot of great flexibility And I think the one-hour time frame feels really manageable for busy professionals. We have a certification course. We have in-person conferences, and those have continued to grow over the years. And the benefits of participating in those is really strong. So we're seeing people increasingly make those commitments. But in more recent years, we've heard more and more just in the education industry 
about micro-credentialing and a general growing demand for that type of education. And so we've started to, well, we have looked more at that in the last several years and put together a full program around micro-credentialing that had started to roll out last year. And I think the specific appeal of those micro-credential courses tends to be they're faster to attain. They're affordable. Um, you know, you scale the the cost of a training like that to the size of it. We rolled out our first course last fall, our second course at the beginning of the year, um, a third course here just a couple months ago. We have another one coming out shortly. So we're just really waterfalling these courses out and They've really, really taken off. It, it has not been a slow ramp up on these. We've seen people jump right in on them. And I think to us, that really confirms that we're on the right track with this educational offering and, and we're getting out there what people need right now. So that's really motivating and, and we're excited about that. And we have a lot more courses to come that we're currently developing. So we're excited to see those um, kind of come to life for our audience as well. But definitely that flexibility is is key for people and and just having a mix of of in person and digital offerings has been really big in recent years you mentioned how busy these professionals are and i'm wondering how many people who work in absence management have the skills and knowledge they need to do work that seems to be morphing. Um, and if they don't have what they need, how does that affect employers? Really, I think our audience, our industry of absence management community of professionals, I think they're really well-educated and knowledgeable. They're very tapped in and they recognize all of the compliance components that require them to maintain education. But there's still gaps and there's still a lot of risk for organizations. And the role is morphing a lot. And so even someone who is very knowledgeable and, and well-equipped, you know, something changes. And if you didn't get the compliance alert, well, you were compliant yesterday, but you're not today. And that happens more frequently than I think any of us like to really think about. It's just constantly changing. And so... That is just, it's very challenging to stay up on. So even though I think they have the skills and knowledge overall and they recognize the need, just generally keeping up with it is very hard. This is not a set it and forget it thing. Does everyone else at the organization know what their role in these policies and programs, what they can and can't do, what they can and can't say? Um it can also be hard for professionals in our industry to get the budget to keep up on the education. It's easier, I think, to go to an operational leader and say, hey, there's this training I can go to, and it's going to save us $3 in the manufacture of this product that we make. That operational leader is going to say, yes, go find a way to save me $3 on every widget that we make. I We need that. Versus going to that operational leader and saying, I need to go to this training because if I don't, we might get sued someday for doing something really silly that we could prevent with the right education and knowledge and the right training for our people. Well, that feels a little more like, well, you know, are we, is that really going to happen? I don't have the budget for that. That, that operational leader, it's easier to push that off. It's such an important point. And it reminds me of uh, a representative from the Department of Labor comments that were made about managers who trigger lawsuits due to a lack of knowledge. 
And so these are not necessarily absence management professionals. In fact, her comment was people who are not, who are supervisors, maybe frontline managers, who don't have that understanding or knowledge of what they need to be looking for, the words that could prompt an action, and what to do next. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that and give us some perspective on how things have changed or maybe need to change in terms of the ways in which employers look at staff education and training today? I mean, that's a it's a real liability or risk. I don't want to paint frontline leaders in a bad light because they are a tremendous asset to an organization. Um, they they play a key role in the operation of an organization, but their key role is around the operation uh, that supports the industry of the business that you're running. It's not their key role isn't around absence management. And so sometimes they don't recognize when they've been triggered under a law. And, and sometimes they say the wrong thing because quite frankly, if they're tasked with keeping the operation running and someone says, hey, I can't be at work for a while or I'm having trouble working, I, I'm not going to say it's right, but I can see how an operational leader sometimes doesn't always have the most compassionate or the most compliant response. And they need to know. I mean, a lot of times that's a result of or a, a byproduct of a lack of education. And it can be hard for our absence management professionals to have the space and the face time with those folks to provide that education. So the DOL actually has recommended, now it's not a requirement, but they have recommended annual training for frontline leaders around their role in the FMLA and the ADA. And so we actually have a supervisor training product um, that, you know, talks about recognizing when they're triggered under one of those laws, what might qualify, what they can and can't say. We made it really short. It's a 25 minute training and just a handful of questions to test knowledge. And, but the design behind it was to be an annual training, not a one time you do it when you first come into the organization, but to be kind of a, in that suite of compliance trainings that a frontline leader would do every year, that hopefully it would be, it would spur some conversation at an organization because it's great to, I think that training, that type of training is a really valuable and necessary first step, but I don't think it can be the only step either. It needs to be more value-driven from the organization, but it requires a culture in an organization to support the absence management professional getting in there and, and having that influence. And, and I think that's really important. And I think our audience knows that it's, it's helping them be equipped to get that out into their organization and, and to have that that role in their of influence in their organization. I I like your comment about corporate culture, especially from the vantage point of a culture that encourages and supports education and training. And I'm wondering how most employers see education and training today um, and how the great resignation has changed that or if it's had any effect on it. I think it's definitely impacting organizations in multiple ways. So I think organizations are really recognizing a major gap in their approach to um, 
recruitment and retention. I think we have really focused more on recruitment in years past. And now it's really eye-opening to see the employees fleeing their organizations and going elsewhere. And we could talk all day about what might be the cause of that. There's definitely, I think it's more complex than just a simple, straightforward one answer. But I do think a part of it is that we haven't invested in those people. We we invest in getting them in. We take out the sparkly ads and that look really nice. We've thrown the bulk of our efforts into recruiting and we put forth a lot of effort to make sure that someone looking for a job knows why our company is great. But then once we get that person through our doors, we kind of stop doing that. We stop selling ourselves and our organization to them and we allow them to languish. And we're seeing a lot more about it, more recent times about people, employees who are languishing. Um, and I think that's some of the demand for more and for different right now. Employees are really reprioritizing what they want from an organization. And, you know, studies have found that younger generations um, really value a, a people first look at things and, and consideration from an employer and that they're, they have a strong emphasis on employee growth and development. So that's something that's really valuable to them that is important to them. Um, there was a study a few years ago that showed that I think it was 71% of millennials were more likely, they're likely to leave an organization within two years if they were dissatisfied with how their skills were being developed. And that's huge, like 71%. And you think about how many millennials are in the workforce right now, and that survey was pre-COVID. So I think in the pandemic, there's been an even greater upset and, and reprioritization on what employees want. And they want to feel valued. They want to feel invested in. Um, they want to be good at what they do. I mean, that's human nature, but they really want to be cultivated and grown. And so I think where employers are recognizing that and they are prioritizing that, it not only is leading to greater satisfaction and therefore also retention, but it also just strengthens their workforce. They're a better, more productive employee when they're better skilled when they're better trained, but it drives their engagement. It drives retention. It strengthens the organization. It It is an investment for sure, but it has payoffs for both the employer and the employee. So I appreciate that full circle perspective in terms of, of how education and training is mutually beneficial. And I wonder how, in addition to recruitment and retention reasons for employers to invest in team skill sets, whether education or how education can boost confidence levels for absence management professionals and the ways in which that education helps or can help avoid costly mistakes. Absolutely. So definitely, I think getting updates, information in an educational format, whether it's a webinar or a conference session is really valuable for people. Like you mentioned, I love the the confidence piece that you mentioned in there just because, or, or when you framed up the question, the confidence in hearing it in that way, getting, you know, usually there's a visual piece to it as well, but it, it really in an education format gets broken down from the employer's perspective. And I think there's a lot of value to that because the alternative is reading the regulation, which if you have ever read 
um, a regulation or a bill that has gone through Congress, it is kind of a mind twister. So, you know, really getting through some of that language and understanding the practical application of it on your own can feel really daunting and overwhelming, not to mention just the time commitment. I mean, some of those things are hundreds of pages long, but let's say they don't do that. Let's say they rely on the headlines. They're going to look, you know, they're going to subscribe to some blogs and, and just follow along on some things there, but then they still don't have the opportunity to kind of bounce thoughts off of other people, ask questions, dive a little deeper um, into the practical applications sometimes and, and really customize how they're looking at that. But getting education really allows people to do that, professionals to, to get it education and information in that way. So they have the opportunity to ask questions of the expert who is presenting on it. They have the opportunity to network with other people who are also interested in the same education. And, you know, we hear from people just how valuable that is. And we provide those opportunities virtually as well. But we try to build in other networking opportunities because we know how valuable that is. And that's a part of building up that confidence in that education. When you have a network of peers who you can reach out to, who you can ask questions of. So, you know, we've looked at that in ways of, you know, in our webinars, we have an attendee chat where attendees can kind of it, like in a message board forum um, in the webinar, communicate with one another. We have, um, for our DMEC members on our site, we have DMEC communities, which is, and we have some different specific areas for the communities where people can post questions and get responses. I think there is great value to that, but just being continually in that educational loop really does boost people's confidence, make them feel like they are able to take on what they need to for their organization, that they have the understanding of its application. Also just opens their eyes to what other organizations are doing, which is also valuable in their confidence that they're doing the right thing for their organization and they're keeping them on the right track. So seeing where other organizations have encountered pitfalls and what they need to do to shore those things up and really solidifying their knowledge is a good avenue to protect their organization from risk and, and make sure that they are feeling good about about what their role is in the organization and how they're going about doing it. I've been reading more and more articles about how employers are investing in upskilling, reskilling, basically developing employee skills to increase loyalty, as well as to ensure that their organizations are protected and employees have what they need. Is that what you're seeing as well in terms of why employers are looking at education a little bit differently? Yes, it, it definitely aligns. I think we're seeing it consistently that that's what employees are expecting. And so we are definitely seeing that be a driver of why employers are willing to make that investment as now they're, they're making even more efforts to keep people and to keep them satisfied to stay at their organizations. And you know, common sense just tells us if if employees don't feel challenged or excited by what they're doing, they're going to start losing their motivation. They're going to be less productive and they're going to start looking for something else that will excite them and motivate them. So, and it can be 
you know, really hard to find the right education because there is not a one size fits all answer. One person, it might work really well for them to get education in person um, where they can engage um, face to face with someone. Another person might do better with an online um, training, a digital training where they can be in their own controlled environment. So they don't have those other distractions and, and can kind of manage the distractions and environment around them. So same thing for the, the length of time a training takes. I mean, it just, we have seen that diversity and that flexibility is really important to people. Um, and we've definitely also seen more employers encouraging people to block out time for training. Um, I think generally people tend to feel guilty about blocking out time for training. They think, um, you know, I, they get immersed in the work that they are tasked with that's coming across their desk every single day. And generally we're all being asked to do more with less. It feels really overwhelming to look at the long game, but I think the long game is critical here in, in recognizing um, and appreciating that, you know, getting that education, taking whether that it's an hour or the four days, but taking that time for the education is going to ultimately help them do their job better. And that is beneficial for the organization. That's beneficial for the individual. But that certainly circles back to the original point in the question, too, about that loyalty. So employers are recognizing that as a need. We're also in a great climate right now for professionals in our space to push to get that education. Maybe historically they they didn't get the budget or the time to do that, but um, you know, organizations are more and more recognizing that they they need to look at the needs and the desires of their employees, or quite frankly, they're not going to have a workforce. And so it is Employees have a little bit more um, ability to point out the things that they need and that would help them maintain that loyalty, that commitment, develop the organization. And, and certainly the things that our absence management professionals are doing are benefiting all the employees in the organization. So it has a ripple effect. So when you look at the, the bigger picture, what are some of the most important educational needs for absence management professionals today? the topics that we are covering are expanding greatly. So, you know, a few years ago when we did a webinar or we, we do webinars continuously on topics like financial well-being, mental health, and we've done those for years. And now that's like, everyone just kind of nods along like, well, of course you provide education on mental health. Of course you provide education on financial well-being, but a few years ago, we were getting responses on our post-education surveys from people that said, eh, I'm not really interested in this. I don't do this. So this education wasn't as relevant for me. And now that's really shifted. So whereas before it was a much smaller subset of our audience that was interested in some of those pieces, now it has become a part of the scope of work for um, most of our audience. And so our members are involved in those areas. They're expected by their organization to understand the industry trends, help their organization stay competitive and be knowledgeable about those areas. So we've certainly seen the focus expand. And so I think educational offerings need to be broad based and I think they have to be ongoing. So we've talked about just the complexities of compliance in our industry and how quickly things evolve. And so 
you cannot say, well, I did a training, so now I'm good for the year or the quarter or the, gosh, even the month. I mean, it just, things evolve so rapidly, you really have to be tapped into the industry and the education. As someone who has worked in the industry, what can you tell us about how that purview has changed for absence management professionals in the last five or 10 years? The complexities have just increased in recent years, for sure. So so we did go from having really keeping an eye on a couple federal laws to then some state laws, but we also have these laws at the local level. So, and you're looking at how those things weave together. So certainly that has been an evolution over the last several years is just seeing so many more laws come out and at so many different levels. Also, I think historically, absence and disability management generally at an organization was more of a background function. We kind of didn't always have a a seat at the table, if you will, at important meetings where decisions were made. We weren't looked at as, as, you know, really touching on as many areas in an organization as we do now. So as employees needs and expectations have changed. You know, employees are demanding more of their organizations that they work for. Our industry has really jumped up to the front row in a lot of organizations. Our employees expect more out of us today than they did 50 years ago. So, you know, now when you think about the things that employees expect from their employer, they're looking at things like flexibility in when and how they work. They are they're wanting mental health support and expecting personalized or a la carte benefit offerings to meet their needs. If you look back even just 15 years ago, it wasn't the same expectation of those things. I I don't think anyone would have necessarily turned them down, but it wasn't an expectation. That was something more of like, well, you know, the tech industry is doing that or, um, you know, these startups are these really kind of what we would consider more frontier industries or companies that were trendsetters But now these are Midwestern manufacturing organizations that you don't think of as being cutting edge on offerings are offering these types of things. They are table stakes now. They are just entry level what people expect to see in a package. And all of these things tie very directly into an organization's absence and disability management programs. Um, So it's critical that our members are a part of these different areas and and they are expected to understand these trends and what's going on in these spaces and help their organizations stay competitive and and know what's happening and where the evolutions are and how to provide these things in a really practical way to the employees to the workforce so that's certainly something that they have been tasked with. People also just know a lot more about what other companies are offering. So you do have to maybe dangle a few more carrots now to get the attention of job seekers or to keep the people you already have. When you know what benefits and what kind of perks the company down the street is offering, And also your competition isn't limited to just the company down the street with more remote work now. So, and employees are going to go to the place that best serves their needs. So our field, our industry is really tasked with what can we do to stay competitive that we can do in a practical way that meets our needs and and doesn't break the bank. So um, we know employees are keeping track of, of offerings. They're seeing the articles and the blogs and the social media posts that tell us 
what perks their friends have. And, and we're hearing more about inequities in the workplace. And so our um, professionals have a, have a big job. That's really helpful context. And I think hearing you list out the newer paid family leave laws and how those vary across the country and seem to really, they're almost like dominoes. They just keep coming. <laughs> um, helps to clarify or expand on that the the word complex that we use a lot and also the expanding purview of absence management professionals today so i think as dmec continues to prepare for the 30-year celebration at the annual conference those are issues that we'll we'll continue to talk about so thank you so much kristen really appreciate your time and expertise you're welcome thank you for having me